today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Let's start with the uh, Chiefs Town Hall as we do this every month. Uh, Hamilton Chief of Police Frank Bergen joins us and uh, we'll uh, open the lines up for your questions and uh, your thoughts uh, for uh, policing in communities. Uh, local number is 905-645-3221. If you're on a cell, that's toll free, star 9900. And long distance is also toll free. You can reach us at one 800 263-2428 for your phone calls uh, for Chief of Police Frank Bergen as we uh, welcome the Chief back to the program. Chief Bergen, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us. Uh, Happy Friday to you. Hey, good morning, Bill, and I I hope everybody has an opportunity to squeeze in that sunshine. Isn't that a beautiful morning? Take it when we can get it. It doesn't happen that often these days, so uh, yeah, we'll jump all over this. Uh, I'm looking at the calendar here, Chief, and uh, just going back to my days on council, which is quite a few years ago now, but this is just around the same time that city council and police services uh, start crunching numbers for the budget. Has that process started? It it absolutely has. And I, I think you probably are aware, Bill, that even as we close out a budget in, in April and May of every calendar year, we're already having those discussions and setting up our capital, working with our board. Uh, but absolutely, our sleeves are rolled up and we're right in the middle right now. We are looking, uh, we really are projecting to go into the December board uh, with a budget. And again, we've also heard already that initial conversation from the city talking about a 2% budget, but the reality is we still have those pressures. So we're doing everything we can to try and look at sustainability, affordability, and and, and every option we can to make sure that we can deliver uh, quality service to our community. Well, you know that there's there's still a, the, the defund police acts out there. I'm not so sure how much support there is for that, but that's the mantra that a lot of people are still singing right now and wondering about reevaluation of police budgets. Uh, what, if any, impact does that have on the deliberations? I think it had a lot of impact on 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 the discussion of of what role police play in a community. And and again, thing that we're very comfortable with and as articulated in the PSA, the Police Services Act, um, what is our responsibility, the core function of policing? Uh, What we've said and what we've done within the community safety and well-being, uh, I speak about it at other layers of government and, and certainly working with Jeanette Smith as much as uh, as possible in the city manager's role, but what is the function of policing? And, and when we're dealing with homelessness and harm reduction, poverty and, and mental illness, uh, we are really still in need of those partnerships and making sure that we can look at the right people at the right time. Now, and again, as we talked about uh, some months ago, uh, Hamilton Police Services already started with a number of those partnerships, St. Joseph's uh, with uh, health care and uh, the, the mental health issues, and, and there's been great success with those, we know. Uh, but in the guise of, of, of looking at efficiencies here, too, uh, have you reached out to other organizations? Or are there other partnerships that can be developed here? We, we have, and, and that's a good point to talk about. And, and, and there, it is conversations that occur. And you asked the question correctly about budget deliberations, but these conversations about partnerships, they're never lost. Um, we're dealing with the ministries. Uh, when I'm sitting at the OACP, the Ontario Association Chiefs of Police, and we're talking to Sylvia Jones, we absolutely are, are reaching out to Christine Elliott and we're reaching out to the other ministries locally. Uh, we have got what is the rapid intervention um, safety teams, and we're working with our partners, Wesley and, and Urban Corps, and, and trying to manage those conversations at the ground level. We see that certainly with encampment enforcement, with our uh, municipal law, um, the law enforcement. Uh, We we absolutely have those partnerships working. St. Joe's has been one of those examples that that truly understand that how we can triage at a street level. And there are so many other examples that we have to make sure that those partnerships are strong. 
Let's talk about the encampments. Uh, there was a court ruling, of course, that came down just a little while ago that uh, suggested that the, the city staff uh, position was was the legitimate one, uh, which is going to bring bylaw into this, plus Hamilton Police Services. Uh, how are you handling this? Yeah, again, we work uh, alongside of the municipal, uh, the MLE, the municipality. Uh, it's their bailiwick. It's a, it's a city bylaw. And the reality is uh, we are there and we have, we have made sure that um, the, the growth of these encampments, we've talked comfortably about 39 of them in the community, but the reality is uh, during the injunction that it started to grow yet again, uh, we have had now about up 12 of them have been dismantled peacefully. The dismantle is even the wrong word. It's a little harsh. The reality is these are conversations that have continually happened at the social navigator coast level, and people absolutely want those alternatives. They want to look at alternative as opposed to living rough. Have any charges been laid to this point? Uh, so the charges are really it's just an erroneous thing to say that that's a success because it isn't. It's really about getting somebody the right place, uh, what into their needs. As you understand, everybody could have a variety of file issues, uh, whether it's harm reduction or the lack of housing. So it's not about the charges because, again, it boils down to a bylaw charge. The reality is that means nothing. That means you remove them out of a park and they still have not got the resources they need. Really, what is the measurement of success here is making sure they have an opportunity of a hand up and not just the handout. Uh, in a related issue, I'm sure you saw the, the column earlier this week from our good friend Susan Claremont of the Hamilton Spectator uh, about the mounted unit. And uh, I know that during budget deliberations, it comes up every year. It's, it was contentious when uh, police adopted the, uh, the, the mounted unit some years ago, and it seems to come up, well, of course, as you might expect every year. Uh, she's suggesting that uh, with budget uh, pressures, uh, which you've just outlined, uh, it may be time to reassess whether or not this is even a necessary uh, item on the budget line item. Uh, the number that she was quoting in her column here is about $819,995 last year for the mounted unit. Is that money well spent, Chief? First of all, let's just acknowledge what Susan does is important to our community dialogue. Um, Susan also has just uh, put a column in about uh, WSIB and some of the pressures. Of yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, but with regards to the mounted unit, I can tell you that uh, uh, she hit the right balance, hit the right chord, because it is talking about the importance of the emotions of the horses and the sense of what it means to a community, about those relationship buildings, about having that ability to get into terrain and, and, and manage investigations very differently. But she also acknowledged, and, and what is important here is to, from a budget dis description, is you're looking at a year of COVID, and, and COVID and horses and COVID and interactions with public, much like everything else for probably the better part of four months people weren't leaving their homes so those numbers are historically low as far as interactions uh, but absolutely uh, I look at every budget line I look at the efficacy of every program delivery but I can tell you that the emotions with regards to the mounted unit uh, we're at the uh, we're at the Korean uh, veterans luncheon on last Friday and uh, maybe five six people and I'm not exaggerating Bill wanted to come up and speak about the mounted unit and the importance of that as a symbol of, a, of an opportunity. In many cases, and I just heard this while dropping the pocket Special Olympics on the weekend, I just heard as well that, that what's intangible is, is sometimes just that kid who, who may not have been comfortable going up to a police car or may not have been comfortable going up to a, a, a police officer in uniform, but absolutely is drawn to the mounted unit and that conversation that occurs between a cop on mount to the horse and, and the kids. So there's a lot, of, a lot of things that we have to look at. It's not always just simply looking at the enforcement numbers. 
Well, and I, I know she went into great detail. And you and I have had this discussion. I've had these discussions with uh, with your predecessor, Chief Gert, about this uh, as well, about uh, exactly what they're being used for. And I know there's a number of investigations. Uh, but it's worth noting here, and, and I know this comes up every year at budget time, and, and, and I'm, I'm not going to say this in defense of, of what's going to happen with the budget because I don't know yet. Uh, but as Susan so rightly points out in the commentary here in her column the other day, uh, the unit cost is eight hundred nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars. Almost one hundred twenty thousand for that is the horses. The other seven hundred thousand is salaries and benefits for the officers. Uh, so even if you disband the horses and did something about it, that that seven hundred thousand dollars salary is still there, and and that's one of the, you talked about some of the, the the factors that are involved every year in budget. And I'm assuming, I haven't seen the numbers yet this year, Chief, but I'm assuming because it's been like this just about every other year, that, uh, that wages and benefits are, are still the number one driver of your budget. Bill, they're, they're always around the 90%. And in fact, I think we're looking at about 88%, almost 89% of our budget is staffing. Uh, obviously, policing is about our personnel. And uh, the reality is, to your point, and I think you nailed it, Bill, uh, it's not just simply about the, the actual dollars you recover, because these are police officers that will, again, uh, be necessarily redeployed, uh, put into other areas. So the costing is really about the actual uh, barn, about the maintenance of the horses and such, the trailers, et cetera, and uh, mucking out the stables and all that. But again, you have to weigh that to the impact of what they're able to do. Uh, and there is a lot of heritage and as well as a lot of ceremonial. But more importantly, in some cases, we rely on them as well in, in, in extreme cases of, of challenging and demonstration. So we, we will make these decisions with our eyes, eyes wide open, and we will also inform our board accordingly. You brought up the idea about uh, WSIB, and let's let's talk about that uh, because it's a very contentious issue. I know between uh, the rank and file and, and management here, uh, there's been some changes made in the legislation. Uh, I guess to start the conversation off for for our listeners who may not be aware, uh, you have a lot of officers off right now on leave for mental health issues, and, and uh, there are always going to be concerns about staffing with that. But when a number of people, and it's a pretty big number right now, my my understanding about 126 police service employees are on leave of absence right now, sick leaves, uh, and workplace safety rolls into that. Explain to us exactly what the change is and, 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 and how this is impacting police services and delivery of services and staffing. Uh, Bill, I just want to set the record straight, though, and I, I, I don't, I have no trouble, trouble with you saying it's a contentious issue. It's, it's not a contentious issue. It's an issue that we have to address. Uh, the reality is policing, um, we're 100% committed to improving supports, services, and programs, and, and we, we have a duty to, to our members to get them better so that they can do better. Uh, right now, um, the, the challenge with mental health and the pressures, uh, these don't just happen locally. These can be international conversations that, that speak to the legitimacy of policing. Uh, but those numbers are of the 126 of them, in fact, uh, it, at that time when we did that moment of time study, there were 82 uh, members that were off on WSIB, uh, not all of them on, on the presumptive T PTSD moniker. But the reality is these are conversations. Our, our police officers are our most important resource. We, we, are, we are absolutely reliant on their deployment. Uh, so it's not always just the pressure that says it's because of that we have staff staffing challenges. We have staffing challenges for other factors as well, Bill. So I can tell you that our command team is absolutely committed to making sure that our members have the proper supports. 
the contentious issue, though, uh, to be clear, uh, may not actually be that, uh, but it's going to be the uh, the proposal right now that's uh, before the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police, which is actually calling for a reduction in compensation. Uh, it's 100% right now for people that are on leave like that. Uh, the Chiefs of Police Association wants to drop it to 85% of that salary, uh, in, which they say is going to be an incentive to go to work. Uh, the downside, and I, I know we're going to get into the hypothetical, but you know, a reduction like that, may be a, a determining factor in whether an officer who is suffering from this and dealing with this uh, takes the time off or not. And, and, and that's somewhat problematic. That, that's right, Bill. And I, I understand that. And I have, I have been working alongside our partners in policing all across the province to have this conversation. But the reality is it, it boils down to something even a little bit simpler than that. The, the bureaucracy of the WSIB claims management, the spirit of the legislation, uh, I could say to you is not in line to the urgency of our members' needs. So what we're trying to do in working with our ministry partners uh, is really having those conversations to make sure that the spirit of, of presumptive PTSD is met. And that is that, in fact, that that these, this is not a continuum, and it's not really a destination. It's really an opportunity for us to look at uh, retraining and reintegration and rehabilitation of our members. These, the, the actual designation of a PTSD is not a life sentence. It, it's an awareness of understanding how we can uh, assist our members in order to have um, an ability to, to return to, to some level of satisfaction for everybody's uh, and so really it's about the bureaucracy that we're trying to have those conversations. Not only is there an impact when a member is off, there's administration fees and there's other things to talk about that contentious part of it. So we're working alongside our ministry to try to right that ship. Well, you're not the only organization, as you know, Chief, that's got some concerns about WSIB and the way that they do their business. Uh, so I guess welcome to the, the long, and it's a long line actually right now. But the concern, of course, is is if that goes through and if there's a reduction in salary, uh, the concern here is that, well, is, is the return to work going to be predicated on the fact that they need the money? Uh, they've been gone too long at, at 85% of the pay? Uh, or is it because they're healthy enough to get back into the job? And uh, that can be a, a rather gray area sometimes. Bill, it is, it is the gray area, and I, and I actually think that you're actually speaking to what is actually, actually the crux of the matter. Uh, but the reality is, studies have shown, and I've seen it in my own policing career, uh, the longer an injured member is off or out of contact with our organization, the harder it is to bring them back. So we have to have some honest conversations. We're so fortunate to be working alongside of our, our police association, the HPA, and Jamie Bannon and their team. And the reality is, these are conversations that are saying, how do we better support our members? How do we give them that support in the early onset of challenges as opposed to what has been uh, sort of that lagging response? And, and we're asking the ministry to look at the timeliness of it. And I think at the end of it, if we can correct that at the front end, maybe some of those other challenges or other those long-term impacts can start being, um, you know, corrected, if, if that's the best word. Well, I, I, we know that the Police Association has some concerns about that, so not just Hamilton either, but others as well. And, and as you say, this is a process, and it's just beginning right now, so there's more to come on this. So we're going to have to leave it there, Chief. We're sort of tight on time today. Uh, thanks, as always, for this. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, taking the opportunity to join us on the Town Hall, and we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much, Bill, and I do look forward to um, sitting across the desk from you shortly so that we can open the lines and start talking to our community. So have a great weekend, sir. You too. Thanks so much. Uh, Hamilton Chief of Police Frank Bergen with the Chiefs Town Hall. The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.